me while I get used to this one. Um, that worship was powerful. Um, it was so powerful, in fact, that my iPad wasn't working before, and through the worship, it just started to work. So that's, that's powerful worship. I was scared for a moment I was going to have to revert to paper, and it freaked me out a little bit, but um, it's come back into play, so that's good. Um, just while we're in the worship, you know, I was just thinking about a ton of stuff, and um, I think God's just given me some more stuff for this morning. I'm just praying, Lord, let, let the connection between my brain and my mouth be good this morning, because everything I feel that's been downloaded, I want to just share with you today. Um, this morning, I want to talk with you about overcoming fear. Um, I literally woke up this morning petrified. <laughs> and maybe it's because fear is a scary subject. I don't know. Um, I know it's certainly a scary subject for the devil. Because I believe this is the area where he can have most Christians bound up, is in fear. Um, I remember two years ago, I think it was two years ago, Billy Frey came. I don't know if you remember Billy coming to speak at the school, the American guy. And he came and spoke on fear. And, and for some reason, some messages just stick out at you. And, and I think it's with good reason. I think sometimes God just highlights certain things. And, and I think fear is one of those things we've got to keep coming back around. Because fear can so easily weave its way in and infiltrate our lives. And if it does, if fear gets in, it will dictate how you live. Fear is, is such a big deal, and God knows that. That's why, I don't know if you know that fact, there's 365 scriptures on do not fear in the Bible. Did you know that? That's, they say one for every day of the year. That's what they say. I don't know what you do on a leap year. Um, maybe, maybe you have one day where you've got to just stay indoors and lock the doors. Don't go outside, it's too scary. Um, but 365 scriptures in the Bible say to you, do not be afraid. Do not fear. And, and that tells me two things. It tells me, first of all, that fear can be a problem for us. If it wasn't a problem, God wouldn't mention it so much. The very fact that God says, do not fear, tells us that there are going to be situations that arise in our lives that can cause us to fear. The second thing it tells us is that we should be able to overcome fear. God says, do not fear. So, so my question this morning is really simple. Are we living in fear or are we overcoming fear? This morning I want to spend the first part just looking at what, what fear is and why fear is a problem. And then the second part of the morning I want to look at how we overcome fear. Um, if you're one of these people that really struggle to stay tuned in for a whole sermon... I recommend you tune in for the second part. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll go home very scared, and I don't want that. So if, you, if you've got to tune out after 20 minutes, sleep now, wake up in about 20 minutes' time, and we'll go from there. Let's start by looking at what fear is. The biblical definition for fear is panic, flight, and terror. Anyone ever felt that? I see one or two hands go up. The rest of you are too scared to put your hands up. <laughs> Sorry, these are going to be like crazy, stupid jokes all the morning. I, I don't. 
But fear is something we've all experienced. Um, apparently, when you're born, when babies are born, they're born with two fears. And it's the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All babies that are born have these two common fears. Um, I heard that there was a study done of 500 adults, all of various ages, backgrounds, lifestyles. And in these 500 adults, they discovered some 7,000 fears. What does that tell you? Since they were born, they learned to fear 6,998 things. Fear is a big deal. We might have our own fear list, certain things that we find scary ourselves. Do any of you know the, um, the Peanuts cartoons? Charlie Brown. You all know Charlie Brown. There's this uh, one story where Charlie Brown goes to Lucy for some psychiatric help to try and find out what his particular fear is. And Lucy says to him, perhaps you have hypengeophobia, which is the fear of responsibility. Charlie Brown says, no. Well, perhaps you have allurophobia, which is the fear of cats. No, replies Charlie Brown. Well, maybe you have climacophobia, which is the fear of staircases. No, says Charlie Brown. Exasperated, Lucy says, well, maybe you have pantophobia, which is the fear of everything. Yes, says Charlie Brown. That's the one. <laughs> We've all probably identified with fear, although I hope none of you here have the fear of everything. I hope none of you have got pantophobia. <laughs> but we've all experienced fear. The word fear in the Bible, it comes from the original Greek word phobos, where we get our word phobia, right? That's just common there. And this is what a phobia is. A phobia is an extreme or irrational fear of something that is disproportionate, disproportionate sorry, to the danger posed. Fear is taking something that is generally safe and saying, this is very dangerous. That's what fear does. I'm going to quote some scripture in a minute, but just for now, I want to quote Will Smith, the actor. Um, in the film After Earth, he said this, Fear is not real. It is a product of thoughts you create. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. Great words. Really great words. There is a, there is a huge difference between danger and fear. Huge difference. Uh, when I was a teenager, one of my friends invited me to go to the zoo with him. He had like this VIP ticket. And as part of this day out, he could go and feed the lions. And so we're, we're approaching the enclosure. And I am gripped with fear. <laughs> Let me tell you. But really, there was nothing to be afraid of because there's this giant structure in front of me. I'm, you know, still enclosure. So I was okay. The moment I went into the enclosure, now I'm in danger. Because these lions that are, that are big, scary, hungry, are now in close proximity to me. But while I was the other side of the enclosure, I'm sitting there thinking, these lions look scary, they look hungry, they're big, uh, they could eat me. I was afraid, but I was not in danger. There's a big difference between danger and fear. And I had chosen fear. Where does fear come from? Where does fear originate? Fear can have different points of origin. You know, you can be in fear because of something 
that happened to you that was out of your control. You might have been involved in some traumatic event. That can cause fear to come in. Someone uh, may have said or done something very hurtful to you. That can cause fear. There, there are many points of origin. You know, fear can be even passed down generation to generation. Can I say to you, usually if fear happens, it, sorry, if you're in fear uh, because of something that happened to you outside of your control, you normally need to have deliverance for it. With these types of fears, you normally need to have deliverance. You know that passage of scripture in 1 John where it says, perfect love casts out fear. And it says fear has to do with what? Torment. If you feel tormented in a certain area, if you feel just crippled with fear in something, it could be that you need deliverance for that very thing. I remember I worked at, um, at the airport with a lady and she was one of the top people in the company. Really, really lovely, except for when she got on an aeroplane. She would freak out. She would get on the plane and she would just say straight away, give me the alcohol, give me the alcohol, give me the alcohol. And once she got restrained and got removed from a flight, she needs deliverance. See, that's, that's, you can say that it's okay, you get on a flight and you're a little bit nervous, but that is torment. That is torment. If you are tormented in any area, get deliverance. Don't ever say this is just the way I am. Do you think God designed you to feel like that? God wants you to be free. If you've got any area that you're crippled in, get deliverance. As well as uh, things happening to us outside of our control, we can get ourselves into fear. We're just as good at it. I don't know if you've ever watched the news. I, I don't know how much um, the news promotes faith. It normally promotes fear. There's financial crashes. There's terrorist attacks. There's natural disasters. There's all of this stuff going on all the time. And the message is, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. Am I saying to you, you shouldn't watch the news? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying to you, if you get more BBC news into you than the good news, the chances are you're going to be afraid. Chances are you're going to be in fear. Even Christian TV. Do you know how many programs and shows there are about the end times? You know, I know people that are stocking up non-perishable foods. For the end times. Why? Because they're afraid. We're not meant to be afraid. But see, you've got to be careful what you're watching. You've got to be careful what you're listening to because there's messages coming at you all the time telling you to be in fear. Fear can come to you through other people. Do you remember the story of uh, Nehemiah when he went back to Jerusalem to build the wall, right? And he, and he goes back and they're there and they're starting to build... But the enemies, their enemies were coming to them and were trying to get them into fear. Let me give you a scripture, Nehemiah 4.11. It says, also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. So the enemies trying to get them off course, trying to get them into fear. And then in verse, sorry, 4 verse 12, it says, the Jews who live near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. The ones who listen to the enemy, the ones who listen to the negative things, will come and try and pump fear into you. Do you have people like that around you that are just constantly negative, constantly in fear? And it says they come ten times over. They don't stop. See, I'm not saying you shouldn't have people around you. If they've got stuff going on, you shouldn't love on them. But you need to put boundaries around those relationships. Because otherwise, these people will take you down into fear with them. 
We can get into fear through our own stupid thinking. I know we don't like to hear that, but we can, right? I, I don't know if you've ever had something maybe you're worrying about, and then you just play out scenarios. And you play out these scenarios, and you come off look, like really bad in these scenarios, that things are going to turn out terrible for you, that you're going to die. And you get yourself into fear. And you know what? You can't even blame the devil for this stuff. In fact, I think that sometimes the devil's sitting there taking notes about how we get ourselves into fear because we're so good at it ourselves. We've got to be careful with this stuff. See, although the origin of fear varies, the way it's maintained is the same. Romans 8.15 says this. I better give you some verses now because I've just quoted Will Smith and people like that. So let me give you some scripture. Romans 8.15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. What do we sing this morning, right? That's in line with that. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. You've not received a spirit to make you fearful slaves. Who wants to keep you in slavery? Do we know the answer? We need to know the answer. Thank you, Esther Jones. <laughs> Pronounced well with a T as well. Very good. Um, listen, I'm not here to promote the enemy this morning, but the Bible says we need to be aware of his schemes. And, and the truth of that, that God says to us 365 times, do not be afraid, tells us that fear is high on the priority list of the enemy. I'll tell you two reasons why the enemy wants to keep us in fear. The first reason is he doesn't want you to live by faith. Fear is the enemy of faith. Fear is the enemy of of faith. While the enemy can't deter you from your destination, he can, he can dislocate you from your destiny. It is possible. Eli Stanley Jones says this, fear is the sand in the machinery of life. It grinds everything to a halt. Everything to a halt. You know, one thing that I find sad is when you, know, you hear about people and what they say on their deathbeds, one of the things people say is, I wish I had taken more risk. In other words, they're saying, I wish I wasn't governed by fear. I wish fear didn't have its way with me. There's something I want to say. I need to try and articulate this now. <laughs> See, the problem with fear is that the devil tells us that everything God says to us in his word is dangerous for us. That is not to be trusted. It was the first sin, right? Don't trust God. There's something... It's just... It's dangerous to follow God. It's dangerous to do what he says. Everything that he calls you to, don't, don't go there. And so he tries to promote fear to keep us locked into this life where we do not trust God. We come to Jesus and we get saved, right? Herman, stand up. And we come and Jesus embraces us. Come and give me a hug. And then Jesus says, I want you to go... I want you to go and build relationships with people. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. I'm staying right here. It's too scary to be vulnerable because people, people will get to know me. Jesus, you're so amazing. I love you so much. <laughs> I, I want you to go and just bless someone generously. Oh, I haven't got a lot of money in my account. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Thank you so much for saving me. You're just so wonderful. You're amazing. 
Jesus says to us, you're going to live forever. Oh my gosh, I'm too scared to die. Jesus, I'm just holding on to you so much. I, you know, I don't want to risk anything. Oh God, uh, Jesus says to you, live by faith. It's like, actually, it's really good and safe here. I love being next to you. And then you die and go to heaven and you go, oh boy, what a ride. <laughs> and the whole time, you didn't live. The whole time you're in fear. I have Kian with me and sometimes when we go to a new place and he, and he does that thing, you know where kids get around your legs and you're like, just, just go play. Just go play. And he's like, just holds on and he doesn't go. And you go, go and explore over there. Go, go and do this over here. And, and everything I'm saying to him is safe. But sometimes they don't trust you. They, they, they need time to figure that out. I, I get that. But don't we do that as Christians sometimes? We, we see the truths in God's word and yet we don't apply it to our own lives. Let's look at these common fears where the enemy tries to keep us enslaved. The fear of rejection that stops us being vulnerable. The fear of man that causes us to worry about what people think of us. The fear of failure that stops us stepping out in faith when God calls us. The fear of lack that stops us trusting God with our money. The fear of ridicule that can stop us sharing the gospel with people. The fear of death that causes us to pursue a life of comfort rather than a life of risk for Jesus. You see how all of these fears have an impact on your life, on your walk with Jesus. And let me say to you now, I can say this, that all of these fears are irrational. All of these fears are irrational. And I'll tell you why. Because of the Bible is rational. And for every fear there that I've listed there, there is a contradictory term in the Bible. There is a contradiction to all of those fears that are actually truths that me and you are meant to live by. We're not rejected, we're accepted. Romans 15, 7. Psalm 118, sorry, Psalm 118 verse 6, do not fear man. Romans 1, 17, live by faith. Philippians 4, 19, God will meet your needs. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, death has lost its sting. Can I say to you that sometimes we put too much faith in fear? We put too much faith in fear. And we can even be accepting of these fears that we experience and just say, it's just the way things are. I heard a, a saying by Jack Hayford. He says this, how would you treat a friend that lies to you as much as fear does? That's a big statement. How would you treat a friend that lies to you as much as fear does. We would reject them completely, right? But yet we somehow can be accepting of fear. We cannot accept fear. It's the enemy's primary goal to get us off a life of faith. Second reason that he wants to keep us in fear is found in Philippians 1.28. Philippians 1.28. This is what it says. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. You need to remember that our fight here is never against flesh and blood. It's always against the devil. Every time that you and I overcome fear, we remind the devil and his demons where they're going. Every time we succumb to fear, he doesn't have to think about where he's going. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to rebel against fear. That was a pretty good word, I thought, anyway. 
So we know what it is and we know why it's an issue. And now we need to know how do we overcome fear? The first thing you need to know when it comes to overcoming fear is that you're not trying to overcome a feeling. You cannot stop the feeling or the emotion of fear coming towards you. You cannot stop it. You cannot stop it coming towards you. We may think that to not be afraid is to not have a feeling of fear. And if that feeling comes, that we are not overcoming fear. We can sometimes think that if we feel fear coming in any way, that we are failing. It's not true. It's not true. To feel fear is not sin. It's not sin. I hope that liberates some people here this morning that may feel like, oh, do you know what, I just feel fearful. It's not sin to feel that. You know, one of my favourite examples, I don't know if you've heard of Chris Vallotton. He's a pastor at Bethel in California. And he said for a season he would go to bed and, and he would wake up in the middle of the night and there would be a demon standing at the end of his bed. And he said this demon would be there with like big eyes looking at him and he said he'd be freaking out, just screaming and shouting at it and and. and quoting scripture, and, and, and night after night, he still wouldn't disappear. And he was saying, God, what do I do? And, and God said to him, just, just ignore it. So this one night, he goes to bed, and he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he says, oh, it's just you. And then he puts the covers over on his head, and he's shaking and shivering and like in fear. But then he pulled his covers back, and it had gone. That tells me something. See, it, it didn't matter if he was feeling fear or not. It's what he did that was important. See, to feel fear is not sin, but to partner with it is. To partner with fear is where we go wrong. Every time we agree with a lie, we empower the liar. Every single time. You know the first record of fear, you see it in the Garden of Eden, right? Where Adam and Eve, they sin, uh, they fall. And it says when God came to look for them, it said they were afraid and they hid. And we see that as a natural progression, don't we? Afraid, hide. But it shouldn't, it's not, it shouldn't be that. See, when that moment comes where, where fear comes, you choose what you do. You choose whether you hide or you choose whether you stay. Rick, Rick Warren was asked, how do you know if you're in fear? And he says, the answer is simple. You have an intense desire to run. It's that fight or flight mentality and it usually results in flight. <laughs> Every time God says to you, do not be afraid, it's an invitation to that possibility. We have to stand in spite of the fear that's coming at us and you will get a victory over that very thing that's causing you to be afraid. I, I told you the story, I think, before where I studied at college for a year and I had this heavy schedule. I was at college and I was working and, and, and everything was full on, one year full on. And I came within one week of finishing school and I burnt out. I couldn't cope anymore. I was just wrecked. And I went to college this one day. I was on the train and this intense fear came at me was, I'm going to die <laughs> on the Victoria line. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And so I get off the train and I, and I make it to the college. I feel weak. I feel just weird. And it was, one, it was one of those really hot days. And a paramedic came out and he said, oh, you've just had a panic attack. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I didn't have a clue what it was. Let me tell you what happened. 
I came home, I was just like shaken up, obviously wrecked. I had to take some time to recoup. I spoke to Phil and he says, look, go to school on the last day. Just, just get the victory and go. So I thought, oh, I felt all right. I, I, got, I get ready to go. I go to the train station and the train's coming and I think trains are bad. Because the last time I was on the train, I wanted to die. <laughs> and this train comes and I thought like, I don't trust you. This train can go. Wait for another train. This feeling of fear made me want to turn and run. But the next train came and I got on and I stood at the corner and the doors closed. And I went, Jesus, 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 Jesus. After 10 seconds, my fear had gone. 10 seconds. But if I would have chosen to run, I would have never overcome that fear. See, the moment you stand in that place, you're just one step away, always one step away from that overcoming of fear. Every single time. You might say, is it possible to be fearless? I think it probably is, but it starts with fearing less. It starts with those little victories. All the time, every time you get a victory over fear, it just increases and increases and increases. Every time you overcome fear in an area, it has less of a hold on you. The next way we overcome fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You have a spirit of power. Like, amen? Amen. Or oh me. (laughs) The problem is so often that we don't know what we've actually got. And you cannot release release what you don't know you have. Uh, We love that song that we sung this morning, right? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And we love to sing that song because it's a powerful statement. It's a powerful declaration. And I believe there are times where we need to make these statements. There are times where we need to make these declarations. But sometimes I think we say these things and we don't actually have the reality of these things in our lives. We can make the statements without the reality of these statements in our lives. When I was at school, I, was, I told the guys this on the Bible group on Wednesday, that when I was at school, I was really rubbish at maths. And so I got put into the lowest group in maths. So I was a dummy. Let's put it like that. But I was a smart dummy. And I would sit next to the smartest dummy. Because you know why? He would get the answer to every question right. So when the teacher would put the, the, the equations on the board, he would write down the answer. I would get write down the answer. I got exactly the same marks as him. The problem came when the teacher asked me, how did you arrive at that conclusion? I don't know. I just copied him. He got the answer right. <laughs> and as Christians, I think sometimes we know all the right answers, right? We know that we're not meant to be slaves to fear. We know we're meant to be liberated. But are we living out that experience? In Joshua 1, 8 and 9, it says, study the book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night. And then it goes on to say in verse 9, do not be afraid or discouraged. Do you see how the meditation on word, God's word is directly uh, related to do not fear? Do you know to meditate is to ruminate. I, I, I've done this with the guys Wednesday. And to ruminate is what a cow does when it's chewing grass. And, I, and I've done it the other day and everyone's going, it's... Right, in, in, the, in the group. But how do cows chew grass? Slowly, steadily, continuously. 
You need to line yourself up. You need to be thinking about the very things that God says about you in his word. You need to think about the fact that you've got a spirit of power inside of you. You need to think about the reality that Christ lives in you and he is the hope of glory. You need to think about these things because you need to renew your minds to line up with what you already have. You know, it's, it's like a safe. You've got the, the dial and then you've got the locking mechanism and you have to line up the dial, the combination with the locking mechanism. And as soon as you do, it releases the door and the good stuff comes out. It's the same with us. You right for a couple more? Are we good? Are we listening? Are we bored? All right, okay. The next way we over... See, I, I'm sorry, I've got to say this. I really struggle with silence. It's like, it really bugs me. I feel like I've got to tell a joke or something. Um, let me tell you a joke. Um, I heard someone say recently that they said, uh, I don't mean to brag or anything, but I finished my 14-day fast in three hours, 12 minutes. <laughs> All right, okay, that just makes me feel a little bit better that you guys... All right. Just to get you back on board now, all right? We're going we're gonna to bring this in, but um, I've got some good stuff to say, so I don't want to finish up. That was a good one, wasn't it? You like that one? <laughs> I think that was Bill Johnson's one. He said that, I think. It was like... So how else do we overcome fear? We overcome fear with perspective. Come over here. I, I want you to come to this one and see this one. Isaiah 51, 12. Isaiah 51, 12. I, I just love this. I love what this says. Isaiah 51, 12. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortal human beings who are but grass? I, I love what God says in that verse. It's like, who are you to be afraid? Who do you think you are being afraid? And it goes on to say after that, look, I'm the Lord God. I stretch out the heavens. I lay the foundations of the earth. I give you bread. I stir up the sea so the waves roar. I cover you with the shadow of my hand. I set the heavens in place. Do you not know how big I am? Have you seen the size of me? Who do you think you are to be afraid? See, sometimes we need God to come and just be gentle with us and like, do not be afraid. It's okay. I'm with you. Other times, we need a jolt, don't we? What am I doing in fear? What is going on? Let me get some perspective here. This God is mighty. This God stretched out the heavens. This God provides for me. This God is for me. Who am I to be afraid? We need that jolt. One of my favorite stories of this is the one of Moses. You know where he goes to the burning bush? You can read it in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. And he goes to the burning bush and, uh, and God says to Moses, Moses, you're my man that's going to take the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses goes, no. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, I, I'm afraid because I, I, I can't get my words out. I'm afraid because I'm not eloquent. I'm afraid because of Pharaoh. I'm afraid that the people won't listen to me. And God's like, Moses, I want you to go and take my people out of Egypt. And he says, no. <laughs> And it says God gets angry. For a chapter and a half, God is arguing with Moses about him going to Egypt to rescue the people. And God says, all right, I sent Aaron with you. Here's the problem. Even after that account, Moses is still afraid. Nothing changed in this situation. He was still in fear. He was crippled with fear. 
something extraordinary happens. Moses says goodbye to Jethro, his father-in-law, gets his family, and then he goes on his way from Midian, heading towards Egypt. And something incredible happens in Exodus 4.25. On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. Huh? Do you read some scriptures sometimes and you go like, I don't know. <laughs> See... Here's God saying to Moses, Moses, you're my man, you've got to do this. Moses is saying no, and then he finally agrees. And in the next passage of scripture, God says to Moses, I'm going to kill you. God is so wonderfully good. Can I tell you that this was Moses' making? See, he was scared of going to Egypt. He was scared of doing all these things. And all of a sudden, God shows up and says, I'm going to kill you. And it told Moses something. It told him that this God was powerful. This God was the God who had power to give life and take life. This God was almighty, not Pharaoh. So all of a sudden, there's a greater fear than that of Pharaoh. There's this God that's all powerful. So firstly, he saw, whoa, this God is mighty. Secondly, he knew that this God had chosen him. That this God was serious about him. See, Moses wasn't serious about himself going. And God says, I'm going to kill you. You're the man I've picked for this. In that moment, Moses would have seen, whoa, this God is serious about me. He loves me. He's for me. He's with me. He's going to take me into this land to take the people out. Can I say to you, that moment when God said he's going to kill him was the very moment that fear broke off of his life. He saw the majesty of God and we saw that this God who is all-powerful was for him. And it says after that, he went to Egypt. Can I tell you, his perspective completely shifted, completely changed. In an army, you see a sergeant and a sergeant hammers, hammers the recruits, right? Takes them out, says, drop and give me 20 uh, run around the field, roll in the mud, all of these things. And the sergeant makes you scared of him. And there's a reason, because when you go into the front line and you're in the trenches and these bullets are coming at you, you want to run and turn around and run away. And you turn around and there's your sergeant and you're more scared of the sergeant than you are of the bullets coming towards you. So you turn back around and fight, knowing that this sergeant is the one who's powerful, but also that this sergeant wants you to live. And he's for you and he's with you. In the same way, this God is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and he is for you, and he is with you. We need that perspective. We need that jolt. One more, and then we're done. We overcome fear by living in community. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Do you know that to encourage is to put courage in? And as believers, we should always be going around putting courage in one another to live by faith. You know, not to to retreat in comfort, not to retreat in fear, but just saying, you can get a victory over this. You can go forward. You can win. Don't come to me and say to me, you're thinking about going on mission. I'll just, what are you still doing here? You say, oh, I haven't prayed about it. It's okay. The devil didn't give you the desire. Just go. Just go and do it. Even if it's a risk, it doesn't matter. Just go. We should be doing that to each other all of the time. Do you think it's interesting that Jesus sent his disciples out in twos? 
when he sent them to do, deliver the demons, deliver people of demons and heal the sick. Do you know why? I think they were going out and they would walk around and they would go like, you go pray for him. <laughs> no, you do it. All right, let's both go. Let's go and do it together. The whole time, that, see, they were learning and they were going and every time they would be like, no, you do it. No, we got this. We can do this together. Let's go. There was something about going in community. There was something about doing it together. Iron sharpens iron, right? Be around people that cause you to go into faith, not those who will keep you blunt and locked in fear. One last story and I'll close. Um, I took Ian to the park and when we were in the park, we were walking back towards the car. We'd been there for about an hour. And there was this lady walking and she was walking and, and really struggling. And I thought, oh no. Oh no, I'm going to have to say something. So she's walking and then we get to that point where we're kind of intersecting and I thought, she'll be all right. <laughs> so I walk towards the car with Kian and then I start to say, Kian, Kian, look, if she comes up here, we're going to get her. This is my game plan with my three-year-old. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for her. We'll talk to her. We'll do something. So me and Kian are waiting there and she comes to, towards the curb and she was really struggling with this bag. And I said, can I help you? Do you live far from here? Can I just help you with your bag to your house? She says, no, no, I'll be fine. And then I asked the question, so what happened to you? <laughs> And she starts to tell me she had, a, she had an accident um, with a fish aquarium and, and hurt her back and, and everything. And, and then I'm thinking, I wish Caroline or Herman were here right now because this would make my life so much easier. And so, but then I, I had that moment where you go like, do I do it or don't I do it? You, you know that moment? I said, can I pray for you? And she said, oh, I would love that. So I'm standing there praying for this woman on the stride. I said, Kian, come and pray. And he's like, no, you do it, daddy. And I'm standing there praying. So she starts to walk off and then Kian says, oh, I want to say something to her. And I said, tell her Jesus loves you. She said, lady, Jesus loves you. Like shouts it down the road to her while she's about a quarter of a mile down. And I thought, oh, we did this. We tag team. We were like, this, this was amazing. But this is what God calls us to all the time, to, to walk in community, to walk in relationships and to encourage one another in faith. So to recap, fear will come and the enemy wants to keep us locked in. But if we realise we are not fighting a feeling, if we release what we already have, if we get some perspective and get around people who will put courage in us, we most definitely, definitely can overcome fear. God bless you guys. Amen.